it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Off-season edition because the Yankees decided that one game was enough for them in their playoff adventure. I am Andrew Mearns, joined again by Kun Shaw, who is back. How are you? Technically present, just like the Yankees were in the playoffs, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, they got in there. Garrett Cole got shellacked. The offense didn't show up, and that was the ball game. So, again, since this is a, a couple weeks after the wild card game actually happened, and honestly, like if we had done a reaction podcast, it would have just been us yelling a lot about dumb things. And we, well, we're still angry about some of the dumb things, like the the Phil Nevin send and some of the annoying bad pitching. It's 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 whatever. I mean, we saw how the Yankees played against the Rays most of the season. They probably weren't advancing in that division series anyway. I know the Red Sox did, but whatever. All these teams that can pound the Yankees in the playoffs, like the Rays and the Astros just decide to go easy on the Red Sox when they play them. So, you know, that's special. Yeah. This is going to be just a long off season because with whoever's left is just all pretty much annoying, but yeah. You don't love the hell ALCS of Astros Red Sox. I do not. I do not. Although I have accepted that I would actively laugh a lot if the Astros won the world series. Yeah. I, I would hate it, but I would laugh a lot. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if the Red Sox won, I would just hate it. 
No, there's nothing, nothing redeeming at all about the Red Sox whatsoever. No. Like I praise when uh, Aaron tried to do a post about like looking at the ALCS from a Yan- Yankee fan's perspective. And she tried to find something with the Red Sox. She's like, I don't know, Ottavino, he seems nice. <laughs> but no, this He's is just there. embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just go go National League, please. Yeah. I don't trust the Braves to just like not get embarrassed by either one of these teams. So like go Dodgers at least, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. And even the Dodgers lost it. lost in five games to the Red Sox in 2018. So it's just like great, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just one quick more, one more. I basically accepted a Red Sox World Series back in like May when they started out of nowhere and like we're hitting really well and playing really well. I was like, oh God, this is 100% happening. It's going to be so bleeping annoying. <laughs> yeah, we should have known that it was just a setup when they were like losing to the Orioles and then we're almost knocked out of the, or, or they would have been into a game 163 if they had lost to the Nationals in that last game of the season where they were trailing. But of course, the Nationals let them back in it. And we are all reaping the benefits. So I'm on a one-man trip to D.C. to make uh, the Nats pay for that. <laughs> Take this! Take that! Free Take Juan this. Soto! Hey, Juan Soto, do you want to come play for the Yankees, please? I like please. you. <laughs> I like you and nobody else. Yeah. But seriously, like, the, the last team to beat the Red Sox twice in a series is the Orioles. And then they've lost two ball games since then. One to the Rays and one to the Astros. <laughs> it's just, like, absurd. So I believe the Orioles are technically in contention to be world champions. Do it. You know how the Rays hang their like wild card, whatever banners or whatever. The Orioles is going to hang the beat the 2021 Red Sox twice. Banner. Hey, I mean, they might, they did change their Twitter photo to Robert Andy, you know, after that series. And I respected the hell out of that. I just yeah, that wish great. that the vibes had <laughs> continued like 2011. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, the Yankees have been active ish. Yeah. They have a, managerial announcement our old old good friend aaron boone will be back for 2022 he's on a three-year contract and with an option for 2025 this is um i mean i don't think any of us is anyone on psa is really super happy about this but i also don't think anyone actually thought that boone would go anywhere brian cashman and hal steinbrenner have always been very effusive at boone even at mid-season when the team looked even worse than they did at the end of the season so this seemed like the likely conclusion unless Boone decided to take a stand because some of his coaches got fired. So whatever, guess it's uh, Aaron Boone time in 2022. Yeah. I mean, you and I have talked at length both on the here and in our yeah. Slack conversations about how Aaron Boone probably shouldn't be back, but I think we both accepted that it was just happening. So for me, I wasn't, I was annoyed, but then I just kind of quickly turned that into like, compromising and acceptance (laughs) and anger all in one rolled into one i think the most important thing was like yeah boone definitely is not what i would consider a good or great manager but there's issues that go beyond him so if they address the other issues i'm more accepting of this Mm -hmm. and they've gotten at least one step in that direction by you know as you mentioned telling marcus tims um phil nevin and um i'm blanking on the assistant hitting coach's name pj pj pilater pilater there you go yeah but basically telling those three coaches that they're they won't be brought back like they weren't technically fired i guess their contracts ended mm-hmm. and i mean those are really the main areas of concern with this team obviously the pitching had been 
you know, for the most part, phenomenal outside of like whenever they chose to let Brooks Krisky pitch, pitch, which was like a whole other conversation. <laughs> but the biggest issue with this team was the inconsistent offense and um, the too many mistakes on the base paths, too many outs at home. I mean, what the hell is going on? And these are the guys solely responsible for that. So they didn't want to make a change at the top, which, all right, fine, especially if like the organization loves him as much as they seem to. And then if the players like him as much as they seem to, especially like, you know, how Aaron Judge went off on him. Uh, went off about him rather not off on him i think <laughs> hate that I guy <laughs> hate that guy bring him back <laughs> but i think it's a fine move um but well it just kind of remains to be seen whether or not it matters at all because if you don't Im- improve the roster then you're still just gonna do the same thing over again yeah and the key to me was moving on from the hitting coaches because that even though marcus stems is it this is this shouldn't be overlooked that marcus stems did a really good job and his first several years with the team honestly because he worked his way up to in from within the organization to be an assistant hitting coach at the big league level and then the major league hitting coach when they're crushing a whole bunch of homers and he got a lot of results especially out of the team in 2019 with all the rotating cast members getting big production from your Joe Urshela's your Mike Talkman's your Cameron Mabins so he did a really good job but the ball has changed a little bit how offense is going has, has been tweaked as well and there may be a universe where like some of these guys just don't underachieve and Tim's keeps his job and it makes sense, but you, you can't underachieve this much with these, all these names and really hope to come back. And it does seem like if the Yankees want to go in like the direction of like a Matt Blake of hitting, then that could be something to be explored. Yeah. I mean, they definitely just needed some fresh ideas there. It's not necessarily a knock against uh, Tim's per se, especially right. like, you know, he's the hitting coach and we've talked about, we like him for, you know, how well we know him. Yeah. Our good pal, <laughs> um, Marcus Sims. Yes. Yeah, so definitely listening to this podcast right now. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just time for a little bit of a change and we'll just kind of see where, where, what happens from here. Hopefully they can discover on, or find the new Matt Blake and, you know, kind of go with some, advanced like forward thinking approach and to hitting that I think the biggest thing is like we know that this team had talent or has talent it's just their ability or inability to make adjustments or kind of get out of slumps or whatever was going on that was the issue and obviously with DJ we'll talk about this a little bit more later like DJ LeMahieu obviously his first two years in the Bronx were great but then this year is just exactly leave league average pretty much for the most part and he probably he just had surgery for his hip issue, which might have been nagging him all year. But still, like, you know, Glaber Torres, Gary Sanchez, DJ LeMahieu, like people keep kept regressing this year. And there was just no signs out of it. So I think it's the right call. Yeah. And I think uh, like Tim's did mention in a in an interview after his firing with uh, Sweeney Murray that there had been like, like a little bit of a disconnect between what the like maybe drills at the minor league level versus what they were doing at the major league level. So maybe it's better to streamline all that. The minor league hitting did do a great job this year with all the progress made by prospects like Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza, just to name a couple. So maybe they'll be able to find someone from that group or at least someone from the outside with a similar mindset that could really bring the 2022 Yankees back to earlier form. Because even as recently as 2020, they were one of the league's better offenses. So we'll see. Got a long offseason to figure that out, though. Yeah. Yeah. But and and again, I guess, yeah, Phil and Evan's gone, too. But And I'm sorry for Boone, because I think uh, like they talk about each other like they're each other's best friend. And I'm sure that's a, that's a big bummer, but whatever. Sorry, guy. Yeah. The end. Bye. <laughs> yeah. The end of Phil and Evan. Yeah. 
And uh, should we talk about the press conference with Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, right after the announcement? Yeah, I guess it all kind of uh, comes together. Hal Steinbrenner obviously echoed his sentiments from earlier in the season, you know, supported Boone, talked about him as a leader, as a motivator, yada, yada, yada. But the thing that really got to me the most was the, he said, you know, quote, we need to get better. Um, I think that's on him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got to be a little bit more dedicated with a, no due respect to Brian Cashman's comments about like, how dare anyone be like, this guy's not spending money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for Brian Cashman to say, how dare anyone complain, uh, question the amount of money this man commits? Um, yeah, man, we're going to question it because he's put you on a budget. Fine. I can even accept the, the stupid budget thing. But then Brian Cashman, this is on you and how you allocate those resources. Like, why are you spending $30 million on two relievers when you only have a set amount of money? You do that when you have no set amount of money. Like if you're operating like the Dodgers, go ahead, pay your oldest Chapman $18 million a year. When you're operating like the current Yankees, you should not be paying your oldest Chapman $18 million a year. No. And like the whole, the whole thing too, about how the Yankees payroll is not really adjusted with inflation for where it was like, 16 years ago or whatever the river avenue blues twitter account made a good tweet about this where it's talking about how like the payroll is basically the same as it was in 2005 but the average payroll of mlb teams all wide it's like 60 million higher than then and i know that like cashman alluded to the fact that like cbas have changed since then the penalties are different but look whatever you're the yankees you can afford it look at the dodgers they just cruise past it anyway and i know that they're trailing in the nlcs right now but for the most part they're doing fine yeah, and the thing is, like, with the Dodgers, like, if the Yankees were in that exact situation, I would be upset, obviously, that they're down right now, If they, especially if they end up getting, you know, swept out or losing the NLCS, whatever it is, I'd be upset. But I wouldn't be frustrated with the team and organization as a whole on how they operate, because you know the Dodgers are going out there, putting their best foot forward, trying to win and doing whatever it takes. Like, yeah, they probably should never have signed. I think uh, Harlan in, our, in the Pitcher Valley comments made this point, which was a really good one. Like, yeah, they never should have signed Trevor Bauer or dealt with any of that for many, 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 many reasons. But as soon as that whole situation went down, what did they do? They went out and got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Trey Turner, they did not need. They still got him. They got Max Scherzer (laughs) too. Like, they're just like, okay, well, we lost this one guy, but what do we do now? All right, we'll go get Max Scherzer. Like, the Yankees, who twice now should have gotten Max Scherzer, but I'm not going to blame them as much this time because trade deadline and you don't know what the other team wants and all that. And Scherzer was like, I don't want to go there because they don't seem like they're in. That too. (laughs) Fair. Which I don't blame him. No. But yeah, I mean, they need to start operating like a team that wants to win. That's what the Dodgers do. So when they don't win every single year, like I'm not looking for a team that's going to win the World Series every single year. I'm looking for a team that's trying to win the World Series every year. That's that's it. (laughs) Yeah. And the Dodgers absolutely needed Max Scherzer to remain as far as they have in the playoffs and you know barely surviving the giants in the division series that was one of the greatest playoff series i've ever watched and right after right after one of the greatest you know playoff division races i've ever watched with like both teams finishing over 106 wins and basically tearing each other to pieces to try to get to the next level and you know it worked out for the dodgers because they had max scherzer and they could turn to him on short rest to come out of the bullpen to throw that last inning and not to mention the other the other outings against the giants and and again in the wild card too so he did as much as he could and you could tell that other teams not just the yankees are 
not really fond of what the Dodgers are doing because they are spending money. Like I think it was Cash, I think it was Cashman or Steinbrenner that called the Dodgers like a unicorn because of what they're doing. But whatever, <laughs> they they were not worried about it. It's fine. Just so go, the, you're, go to the Dodgers. You're, talking, you're coming from the Yankees. That's what you used to do. That's what yeah. you used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's annoying. That's why, like, I can't get myself too worked up about Aaron Boone because, like, I feel like, yeah, he does make some questionable choices in games or whatever. But again, I think every manager is going to do that. No man, no fan base thinks their manager is perfect, except outside of maybe like Boston, who thinks Alex Cora is like God's gift to Boston. But besides that, I think, you know, your managers are going to make mistakes fine. It may probably have cost them a handful of games here and there, or whatever. But ultimately, this this team's issues go a lot further than Aaron Boone. It's oh, yeah. whether Hal allows money to be spent or not. It's what Brian Cashman does with that money. Uh, what does with that money, and then Aaron Boone can only do so much. And then at the end of the day, there is some point to be made about yeah, the players need to perform better because I mean, to not that I generally like to give uh, Hal Steinbrenner credit. He, this is a, a talented team that probably should have performed better. But then it comes back to the coaches. And if you're going to keep Boone, who's going to basically manage the overall big picture and, you know, make sure every the clubhouse is good and just kind of figure out who's going to come into the bullpen or whatever, then he needs to surround himself with better people, smarter people, whatever it is, that'll help, you know, working with making adjustments, doing uh, the different drills like they're doing in the minors at the major league level, whatever it is, figuring out all that out, the nuances of it. If he's not the guy for that, which is fine, it's okay because the manager the role of the manager is different now than it was like 10 years ago. He doesn't need to have every aspect of his, his head and every aspect of the part of the game. So just surrounding yourself with better company will go a long way. And then Aaron Boone is probably fine and probably can lead them to a championship or whatever. But there's just, again, a lot of things that need to happen for them to even get to that point again. Yeah. There's some organizational philosophies that really have to be reevaluated. I think before we see a definitive change heading into 2022. And, but it's a, uh something to consider and i guess we do need to touch on cashman talking a little bit about the personnel they there does seem like there's going to be an effort to get a new shortstop because they're like labor's a second baseman and it's like yeah no shit kind of realized a little late but whatever thanks for acknowledging it now yeah i mean i guess better late than never um but i think it's fine i i don't know how much of his improvement at the plate was directly attributed to him you know moving from shortstop to second base but at least defensively it wasn't as bad at second that than he was at shortstop. He's not he was so bad. at this point. <laughs> so yeah, the him acknowledging that he they're gonna look to get a shortstop is great, especially in what should be a strong shortstop market. I'm still obviously hesitant that they're gonna go out and get one of like the Correas or Seegers or stories and not just settle for like an Angelton Simmons or whatever, but gotta start somewhere, I guess. And then yeah. you have a problem is the first step. <laughs> yeah, I I think that the the talk about them some suggesting oh we'll just get a stop gap and then wait for like a volpe or peraza like don't don't worry about that there's we've had some good articles on psa recently about that philosophy and it's it doesn't make sense like if if these guys are talented enough they'll find a position you know manny machado came up and he played third base it's it's okay the guys don't have to say it shortstop so yeah and, and the thing is like the volpe's the perazas you're hoping they turn into one of these guys right these guys are definitely those guys. And you so, can just get them for money. Yeah, you get them for money. You get the short thing. And then, look, if you have nowhere else to put these guys, you can use them to make other improvements in the roster, get another pitcher, whatever it is. Whatever you need at that time, you can use them 
in trades to improve the uh, other parts of the team. You don't have to just be like, oh, this is a shortstop, so I need him at shortstop. No, you use that great, you sign a great shortstop now, then you use your up and coming great shortstop and turn that into a number two pitcher in the rotation. Not exactly one for one, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, or like put him at a different spot in the infield if they're good enough. So, and I think, because yeah, exactly. I, I think that they do like Volpe enough that they're, he will probably come along one day. I don't think that he'd get traded, but obviously a little ways from that. If for whatever reason they they decide that they can't move Volpe or whatever like to another position, then you could use him as trade. Otherwise, yeah, put him at second base and then get uh, you know move on from Glaber, who's not exactly great at second base. There, like you can figure it out. Worry about cross that bridge when you get there. Solve the problem for today, right now. Yeah, like there will be some questions to answer in the offseason. Like where's where are you going to play DJ LeMahieu if Glaber is going to be your second baseman? What's the future with Joe Urshela? What's the future with Luke Voigt? There's a lot of things that be talked about in the offseason that they'll you know they're going to get to in some way shape or another but you know no one ever complained about having too many decent infielders so hopefully they'll figure something out right right and we'll we can maybe get into that in more of a hot stove preview later on but i guess so we should also talk about how they're they seem a little non-committal on gary sanchez they did praise his work ethic for you know trying to get back to a better defensive form this season even if it didn't really always show and again it's a, it's a very bleak catching market i think unless you're trading for wilson Contreras or something like that you're probably not gonna be able to find a better catcher than gary sanchez so he's not obviously he's not as good as he once was but the cap catching is very bleak throughout the majors yeah and you really don't know what exactly is going on there. But the one thing, like, I'm happy that they called out his work ethic because like, you really can't question it. Every offseason no. that goes into, like, Gary's got to work on this, Gary's got to work on this. And then he does. It's never like he's just like, no, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do it, whatever. He literally changes something year to year to try and improve or fit the mold of what, like, the fans are screaming for, what the team wants. And he does it. So you really cannot question the man's work ethic. No. Um, and, yeah, I mean, free agent market for catchers is not great this year. so. Unless you're trading for, like you said, a Wilson Contreras or whatever, whoever out there, you're probably better off just sticking with Gary at least for another year or so and then kind of reevaluating then. And maybe with another, you know, another year with, um, what's his name, Tanner Swanson. And then that's the catching coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, another year with him. And then maybe a new hitting, uh, hitting coach coming in can figure out how to get Gary maybe not back to 2016 levels, obviously, because I don't think we'll ever see that again, which is fair because that's, and it's unreasonable to expect, but you get him back to being like the 2017 Gary or 2019, 20, I'm trying to remember which were his good 2019 years, Gary, he made the all-star team and was pretty yeah. good. Yeah, so he gets back to that. I think you're fine. Yeah, and there is something to the fact that, you know, they, they were talking about the team being a little unathletic and yeah, you can see that in all the double plays are, they're hitting into the defense not being particularly smooth, honestly. Then, you know, at least they're talking about it now. So, like, yeah, that is an offseason project and making sure, trying to make sure that this team is not as streaky as they were in 2021 because, boy, was that unwatchable. Yeah. I mean, I think Cashman did the Jekyll and Hyde comparison directly. But yeah. I also like, like, yeah, the whole unathletic thing, like, that probably also is a big reason as to why, like, Phil Nevin was ultimately fired because those outs at home are ridiculous, but maybe a a faster team or a better running team, whatever it is, doesn't make as many outs at home and maybe saves him his job. But also, I guess he should recognize that this is not the best team. Maybe you should put up the stop sign sometimes, or maybe you should yeah. let them go sometimes when it's obvious. Like, um, yeah, and it, and it is interesting that they they let Nevin go, but they kept on Reggie Willits, who is the actual base running coach. But I guess right. uh, Nevin is the the more obvious uh, scapegoat there. 
Well, remember, nobody works harder than Reggie Willits. Uh, who is that? Hal or Brian Cashman? I forgot which one <laughs> said that. Nobody uh, works harder than him. Probably Cashman. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, we'll take a short ad break right now, and we'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. So we should talk about some of the injury updates that Cashman mentioned in his season-ending press conference, or I guess a post-Boone rehiring press conference, more like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's technically more of that. See, uh, Jameson Tyon's going to have surgery. He's out for five months, which is pretty much right in line with when spring, spring training or when pitchers and catchers report. So hopefully nothing too serious where we have to worry about him missing significant amount of time to start the season. But I would imagine maybe he might miss a few weeks just to kind of get back up to speed, depending on when he's able to start activities again. Um, Aaron Hicks should be playing winter ball this offseason, so that's good because he should be good by December, which is hopefully a good sign for him, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Luke Voigt got an update on him that he should be ready by spring training, and we talked about already about DJ having his surgery, and there's like an eight-week recovery time for him. I'm pretty sure that's pretty much the big gist of all the injury updates. Or I don't know. I don't think that Cashman announced anything else, but there's obviously some other things that kind of just keep an eye on. I don't even know if there is anything else. I know Garrett Cole had that hamstring issue, but I doubt we'll get any actual update on that unless he needs a surgery or whatever. But yeah, honestly, it seemed like that seemed like the kind of thing where probably that was just going to be fixed by actually, <laughs> yeah, resting spending yeah. some time on like again probably if it was earlier in the season he may have had like a 10-day il stint missed like a couple weeks and then come back fine so or if they played well all year and they could have afforded to send uh, you know give them some rest in september too but hey. <laughs> that would have been nice <laughs> but yeah. aaron hicks is a good person to talk about because like he got really forgotten for very obvious reasons because he got hurt way early on the season and he was wildly unproductive perhaps because of the injury but when Aaron Hicks is going he's a very good bat to have in that lineup that with like a different sort of hitting element that you don't really see as much from the rest of the team where it's like not he can like take one out for sure but he's a good doubles hitter too and it's a very good guy to have in the middle of the lineup especially as a switch hitter yeah, obviously, um, Aaron Hicks is a, a good person to have in the lineup with his switch, switch hit, hitting ability, which is probably the most important thing. They missed that all, well, for the first half of the season until they got Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. Um, before that, it was just obviously a righty-heavy lineup. Uh, but his ability to take a walk, you know, just not necessarily, quote-unquote, relying on the home run or whatever. Like you said, he's not just – he can definitely hit one out of the park, which is great, but he does a lot more. I think the only area of concern is his ability to stay healthy, which – has kind of been yeah. an issue for him so far. So like 
as much as you love having having a player like Hicks on the on the team and you know penciled in as your center fielder, you kind of also wonder like should they look to address this some in some other way because you can't really know you don't really know if you're going to be able to depend on him all year. Right. No, not the bat, not the worst idea at all to add another outfielder into the mix because you know you can only count not on Hicks Brett Gardner. Yeah, <laughs> God, not Brett Gardner. I think Brett Gardner is probably going to come back, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he's thinking about retiring because he did do his season-ending press conference just in full uniform, and that was kind of weird. But maybe he's just like a just doing it for one more time. So okay. Yeah. But he also did say he wants to play again. So yeah. Well, <laughs> we will see any conclusion on that in November because I know he has that player option because of the Yankees outsmarting themselves <laughs> to your contract to like get the luxury tax hit down. Just with, with, like him and Justin Wilson and Darren O'Day is like okay, whatever, guys. Yeah. Sure. Happy Again, for you. You're, you're just being cute now. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. for like giving up but... some better <clears throat> prospects to in the Gallo and. Uh, Rizzo trades to avoid not having to take any hits for them. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, they reset their thing, which who see who who knows if it'll even matter in time because of <laughs> yeah. um, the CBA talks this offseason. It could like, just ultimately be for nothing, yeah, which I'm sure people will love that if uh, they got kind of eliminated this whole thing or like everything started kind of fresh and it was just like, oh, we got rid of better prospects for no reason. Yay! Yeah, you did the thing. Very happy for you. <laughs> Congrats! But yeah, I mean, yep. overall, I mean, this offseason is just going to be a long one because, I mean, first of all, it's always a long offseason when you're not watching baseball. The last few seasons have been kind of long and dreadful because of the inactivity around free agents. And, you know, usually you're used to like, oh, my God, this guy's signing. Who's my team going to get? Now you kind of wait till like January, February for anything like that to happen. But obviously yeah. with the CBA talks happening, I don't think any big announcements or any big players are going to be signing until that's all resolved outside of maybe those who like are going to take like qualifying offers just to kind of make sure that they get some money or something, but I don't know. It's, it's going to be annoying. And then plus then just, we've talked about whoever the winner of the world series is, it's probably not going to be anyone that you're happy or excited about. It'll just be like ranked from less annoying, which would be like the Braves of the Dodgers to just, Oh God, which would be the Astros to I'm in hell, which would be the Red Sox. Yeah, it's a fun universe we live in right now, isn't it? Yeah. Can we just skip to who wins the World Series so I can just know? Yeah, it's like uh, it's like I'm just gonna look up the Wikipedia summary for this movie just so I know what happens in it. <laughs> I'm just gonna borrow Adam Sandler's remote from Click just to see who wins the 2021 <laughs> World Series. Where's Christopher Walken as a demon where you need him? Right. Morty. I think that was his name. I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that movie that much. Which this, has been, uh, this has been Adam Sandler film chat. <laughs> but anyway, I think um, uh, before we kind of move on to the Yankee Mitre of the season, uh, I think we just have to give our congratulations to um, Ken Singleton for, you know, officially retiring. Yeah, you know, it's been kind of in the works for the last few years, you know, but they've kind of kept convincing him to come back and come back and come back. But you know, as much as it'll suck to not uh, hear him in the booth uh, calling games for the Yankees, it's, you know, probably long overdue for him in, uh, in a good sense. Like, you know, he's earned it. So congratulations to him. Yeah, I had kind of assumed that he was probably not coming back anyway, just because he has like dialed back his workload a lot in the past few years. And he had talked about retiring. I think it was after the 2018 season, but they talked him out of it and that got him to come back for a little bit more. But he really only worked like a few series this year. So once he said like, yeah, I'm done, I was like, that's a bummer. But 
fair enough. And we've all, we've always loved Ken Singleton. There's a reason that we threw him into our uh, intro theme for this podcast with the the fun eight right. bit stuff because I love his home run call and he's always one been one of my favorite. Matter of fact, very straightforward, very smart broadcasters. You could do pretty much you you could pretty much do it all. Like you could do color commentary, you could do play by play, you could do work at the studio. He's the best. Yeah, he was good at pretty much any hat. So you know, kudos to him. Yeah, there are not many broadcasters who can do all of that at once. So, yeah, looks at the camera and John Flaherty, <laughs> <laughs> who is not as bad as he used to be because of Ken he Singleton. Gotten, I was just saying, he has gotten like a little bit more tolerable, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and like uh, Flaherty talked about, like how Ken Singleton has made him a better announcer just for like talk conversations with him and knowing having better idea of like questions to ask and pre and prep and stuff. So, it just a Great guy. Love Ken Singleton. Yeah. And I love that he love still you, he still does a very cliche thing on Twitter, beginning every single tweet with look out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay, so good as to Kenny. But he is a he's an honorary Yankee of the Year. We'll say that. But who is um I guess okay. Well, I guess I get to do my Yankee and let's <laughs> do a very exaggerated car horn this time for Mitre of the season. Because this yes. has been a Mitre-esque <laughs> season. Very much so. Um, just to kind of explain to everyone, instead of doing a Yankee or Mitre of the week, because a, it's been a couple of weeks since the wildcard game where the Yankees last played, and really there's really not much going on, we figured we'll just do an overall 2021 Yankee and Mitre of the season instead of just the week. Yeah. So my Yankee of the season is going to be uh, my favorite stay-at-home dad, Lucas Lucky. <laughs> Main course. You knew it. Honestly, probably just more mostly just because his his bio says stay at home dad because he's very clearly not but he just might be no obviously you know we talked about lucas like being a fun story in spring training like you know just cool like he hadn't pitched in the majors since 2015 he hadn't pitched at all in 2020 because of the covid uh <clears throat> pandemic so for him to come out this year and do what he did and be not just like a member of the yankees bullpen all season long but like an important piece of that bullpen like of that, like one of the top guys, one of the ones in the inner circle, the trusted circle, whatever you want to call it, to kind of go out there and do his thing. Honestly, unexpected and phenomenal work. So kudos to Lucas Lickie. You are my Yankee of the season. Yeah, hadn't pitched in the majors since May of 2015, and he ended up being in the bullpen all year long. And I don't know if you were planning on bring this, bringing this up, but would you like to look up baseball reference to tell us who he ended up being between in terms of the Yankees war leaders? Oh, okay. So Lucas Lickey fell in firmly at number 10 between DJ LeMayhew and Heraldus Chapman. <laughs> Just what we all expected. Yes, all technically three of them higher. Had one point, all three of them technically had 1.5 war, like for the, the average, but like, you know, just literally by like a percentage point, he falls in between DJ LeMayhew and Heraldus Chapman. What Congratulations. A, what a freaking time. Amazing. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And he pitched more games than anyone other than uh, Chapman and Chad Green. So yeah. yeah. Lucas Lickie, man, I don't I don't really know what the future for him holds, but hey, if the Yankees have a nice little reliever in there, could just hold down some outs, take it. And lefties, exactly. they're good because they can pitch forever. So I hope Lickie right. does, because <laughs> honestly, he worked really hard to make it to make a comeback and get himself back into big league consideration, not just with any team, but with the Yankees. So yeah, I expected him to be on the team for maybe three weeks. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, cool. Come back. And he's gone, but no, he's just <laughs> around. He's just, and good. 
All right. I like that pick. That's good. Yeah. I will go with the, the more straightforward Yankee of the year pick and just say Aaron judge because he was uh, an absolute menace in the lineup all year long. He's getting hits a lot of times when no one else was. And I don't blame him for the bad send in the wild card game, which was a bummer, but he did what he could and put in his best season, honestly, since 2017. So kudos to Aaron judge. Yeah, I just want to give a special shout out also in that same vein to Giancarlo Stanton for, yes. you know, delivering pretty much all year. Obviously, he kind of had a couple slumps here and there, but for the most part, he was, you know, very, very good. And especially when they decided to start using him in the outfield, which I don't blame him for them making him strictly a DH. We talked about how stupid that always had been. As soon as they let him start playing in the outfield, he just felt like a new player. He felt alive again, whatever it was, but he was destroying baseballs and that final series at Fenway in the regular season was just absolutely incredible. Oh man. And the wild, even the wild card game, he came ready to play. He would have had three home runs. If yeah. He should have had a three home game. He should have had a three home game. Yeah. And, and again, we just be complaining that nobody besides him showed up. Yeah. And like, I like, I'm never going to be like, Oh man, this is a dumb ballpark, even though it, it is, but like, you know, I understand the Yankee stadium gives up home runs too, but also this is why they should have won more freaking games so that they could have hosted the wild card game at Yankee right. stadium. Exactly. Uh, uh, let's not get back on that. Just but... win, win two more games against the Orioles and you, uh, you could have done Carlos saying at home. Yeah. He was freaking crushing those balls and that's, they needed the offense to hang in that game and they couldn't come up with enough, but he has continued to hit in the playoffs and in late game situations. And honestly, I'm revising my Yankee of the Week it, or my Yankee of the Year. It's co. It's going to be a co-shared honor between Judge and Stan. I understand that Judge provides a lot more value than Stan, but man, hot Giancarlo Stan is something to behold. I'll remember Absolutely. the Grand Slam forever, honestly, at Fenway. It's I, I was out somewhere. I forget exactly where, but me too. I just remember yeah. screaming and everyone just looking at me. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like you get the notification. It's like, what? It's a tie. It, they're oh, was, they're in front now? I was watching the game on yeah. my phone. <laughs> yeah man big g do more of this next year big g stay healthy please yeah all right let's get this over with who is your mitre of the season my mitre of the season i think it's just gonna kind of come down to glaber torres it was like i was gonna go with like marcus tims like as like overall whatever i was thinking about dj lemayhew but then for me it just kind of comes down to glaber torres like I don't know what happened there, but man, on both sides, it's just been rough. It was a rough year for him. The last, what, 10 days notwithstanding, whatever that was. At least with like DJ, he he was there every once in a while. The defense was fine. With Gary, obviously he had his hot streaks, um, whatever it was. But Glaber, there just was never really, he never really got going all year long. So I'm sorry to do this, but Glaber Torres, you are Sergio Mitre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's unfortunate, like, because it's not only that, but it's the fact that he proved that they were completely wrong in their estimates that he could play shortstop. And now they had to, like, reconfigure their future plans because of that. And he just wasn't hitting. He was making some very clunky errors. And it's it was just a big old bummer to see what Glaber did this year. And we still haven't really seen any resemblance to that 2019 bat again. Like 20, 2020 was not much of a season for him either. And I understand that was two two months, but at the plate, it just was more of the same. And that was just not what the Yankees needed. That's a backslide that really hurts them. If, and I even acknowledge like he, we may never see like 38 Homer Glaber again, but if you get a 24 Homer 2018 Glaber, who's just pretty good, then that could 
go a long way. But otherwise, yeah. like, and next year is going to be really big for him because if he continues to struggle, then they might have to move on. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, I don't think they need him to be 38 Homer Glaber, which obviously no. everyone would welcome, but the power can't just completely disappear like it did. Yeah. So, <sighs> yeah, Glaber Torres. Maybe maybe next year he'll be my Yankee of the season. Want to want to aim for that? Yeah, do it. So, <laughs> we're setting we're setting our standards high. All right. Yes. <laughs> but right. uh, who's your Mitre? I'm going to take the easy bay and say Andrew Heaney because that was one of the worst trade deadline acquisitions I've ever seen. It's absolutely <laughs> abysmal. And I get that there was desperation to add some starting pitching, but good God, was that a mis was that a miscalculation? Because he just. Other than the one start against the Red Sox, which, ugh, which man, I still don't know nice. how he pulled that off. <laughs> yeah, especially if the Red Sox end up winning the World Series, like that that start could actually happen, like in, against not in total ass lineup. He, whatever, I don't know. But that was the only good time that Andrew Heaney appeared on the mound for the Yankees. Other than that, is just completely getting smoked and putting the Yankees out of the race. <laughs> so that hurt. And Comey traded Cashman, I guess, for that move because that was just a complete bad one. <laughs> Yeah, Andrew Heaney's a good pick. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's the easy, safe pick, it's just, yeah, it's it's a good pick. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, uh, some dishonorable mention to um, DJ LeMahieu on what he did, because that was just nothing. Joey Gallo, honestly, was pretty disappointing in his half season, too. He had some good defensive plays, but they didn't really get him for his defense. <laughs> like, no. He needed yeah, to suck some a, more he, dingers. He had a couple home runs that were good and fun, but, like, he never, never, again, just never got going, but it's one of those things where, like, like, um, like sort of 2020 Gary, where, like, Joey Gallo hit 160 in his two months at the Yankees. Like, you can't – that I'm not a batting average guy, but, like, you can't hit that badly. And there's <laughs> – you have to do a little bit better than that. And, you know, Gary picked it up. And I think maybe maybe we'll get some more of the real Gallo once he, like, finds his footing in 2022. I guess there's a chance they could trade him in the offseason, but he's probably coming back. And if he could be anything like he was in the first half of the Rangers, that would be – such a big boost to the outfield right yeah no i mean you just like you got him for his bat and the bat was not there maybe they'll ship it for him <laughs> this offseason yeah he looked he looks so bad in his worst moments and like when he was coming up in the wild card game that was the only part of the like nevin send that i could kind of squint and see just because gallo because because gallo had been struggling so so badly but also why are you hitting him like clean up or fifth if he's struggling that badly so well this is also a game where andrew velasquez was a starting shortstop in a do or die game so like and and freaking kyle higashioka was also starting like so there was a lot of other things to be said about that game so yeah like, we, at that we, point, who the hell are you putting in uh, gallo's uh, spot in the lineup yeah we better not backslide and talk about the wild card game because there's so much nitty-gritty stuff that we can get into that there's not no one even cares about at this point because like no, it was just no. a dumb I'm bad a bad ball game from so many different points of view that one play here or there isn't probably isn't what saves it. That maybe gets a no. little bit closer, but yeah. Yeah. I'm still mad about it, but I'm also over it in the sense that I don't want to go rehash it now. <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, Garrett Cole probably could have gotten like a Yankee of the season. If like, I think, I mean, the hamstring thing I think did play a big role because he may have won the Cy Young award. I think Robbie Ray is going to win it now, but um it made him look really bad. That wild card start too. And I don't know if it was just that or if it was just a bad night, but Man, that was not yeah. the glamour. That was not what they need to see out of Garrett Cole. Yeah, and I think the other thing with Cole is like, obviously, since the whole spider tag thing went down or the sticky stuff uh, thing went down, he wasn't obviously as dominant as he as he had been. He's still been very good for the most part, outside of a few starts here and there. But 
don't know. I kind of gave him my B plus for the season. Yeah. Weird, weird year for Garrett Cole. He did have some good starts even after that. Like the, the start against yeah, I mean, the Astros where he threw a one hitter. That was after the sticky stuff stuff. Yeah. But. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's like completely dependent on it and won't be no. good without it. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. I just think he, he needed some time to adjust, which he did, ultimately did. And then between that and then the hamstring, which kind of, like you said, probably hurt his Cy Young chances, but also just made him not look good and not be the guy they paid him for in the wild card game. It was kind of, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the Yankees need to sign another starter, I think, behind him. I know the pitching did very well in 2021, but do you think you need that a was, little bit more? That was the bullpen that did well. The rotation definitely needs help. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the no-hitter, I guess, Corey Kluber, but uh, see ya. <laughs> yeah. See you. Yeah. Okay. Shall we wrap it there? Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Pinstrip Alley. You can follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Where can people find you on Twitter for until our next podcast? Find me at Lucas Litke. Find out why I'm a stay at home dad. Yeah. The world <laughs> must know. The world must know. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be a little bit before you hear from us again. We'll probably need some more significant Yankees news, like the Boone hire, the Boone rehirings, but got us back into it. So, We'll see what comes next, and uh, hopefully Yankees actually make some good offseason additions. So uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Fingers crossed. See you.